When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's Doug Maurice with another interview for you today on this Thursday. It's Scott Spratt, fantasy football analyst from Football Outsiders. And we're going to talk about the Browns and fantasy football. Something a little different. I don't know. People are having drafts yet. My draft isn't yet. Uh, I am a slightly educated, bad fantasy player. So we're talking about where should Odell Beckham be drafted? How do you fit Baker Mayfield into this big list of quarterbacks? What about Nick Chubb? Stuff like that. Uh, it's an interesting conversation. Then we get into a little bit of, of other fantasy football stuff, um, some guys that Scott likes. So it was fun. We appreciate you guys being with us. Again, Dan Lobby will be back next week from vacation. But we have Mary Kay Cabot and Hey Mary Kay is coming on Friday. For now, let's talk some fantasy football on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Happy to be joined by Scott Spratt fantasy football writer for footballoutsiders.com. The fantasy uh, footballoutsiders.com almanac is out. And Scott, I know, I mean, you guys do such big deep dives into the numbers for fans to analyze their teams, analyze who's going to be good. It only makes sense to me that football outsiders would be a great fantasy football resource as well. I want to make, I want to give you a platform a little bit here. What, what, why should people be using you guys for fantasy advice and what's the best way for them to consume your fantasy football content? Yo, thanks for having me on, Doug. Yeah, I mean, we try to be as sort of meticulous and detail-oriented with all of our fantasy stuff, our projections, our analysis, the way that we are from you know a real-life football perspective. So we're, that includes a lot of the like data science and statistical insights that you would find with stuff like DVOA. We actually use DVOA in part to help predict player performance so it kind of all ties in together. And I think that you'll find some pretty cool stuff in terms of like where you can find it. You know, the Football Outsiders Almanac has the projections as they were at publication, but you can actually go to footballoutsiders.com. We have a full Kubiak, which is what we brand our, our projections, a draft tool where you can actually use it to use your custom league settings, import those and then create, you know, rankings and projections that fit your league settings. Okay, so let's talk some fantasy football as it relates to the Cleveland Browns. Yes. And let me make a blanket statement as someone who I can't remember the last time I made the playoffs in my fantasy football league. Okay. So I'm not the expert. I'm just some chump on the street. But there have been times in the recent past when I have drafted Nick Chubb pretty yes. high in my draft. There are times I drafted Odell Beckham pretty okay. high in my draft at times. At the moment, my uneducated opinion, Scott, possibly is don't draft any Browns <laughs> because I think it's possible that as I try to think about it, and maybe this is, we talk about hashtag too many good players with the Browns, they might be as much of a good football team, mm -hmm. questionable fantasy team as I can think of in recent years should people stay away from the Browns as a baseline or am I going too far? Yeah, I mean, you may be going a little bit too far, but I think you're along the right lines here, which is that fantasy doesn't always match up with reality. 
And I think the Browns have a much better offense than you're actually going to get rewarded for in fantasy, in particular because it's skewed so much more toward the run than a lot of offenses. I mean, the, the Browns have been as efficient as a passing offense as, say, the Falcons in recent years, but the Falcons throw 100 or 200 more pass attempts per season. And if you're only throwing you know, low 500 pass attempts, then Baker's probably not going to be a very good quarterback for fantasy, even if he's very efficient from, from reality. So I think that is something that's pretty damaging. But I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say to avoid Nick Chubb, even if he's only going to catch 20 to 30 passes per year, he's a high volume runner and he's probably going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's somebody that, that routinely leads the league in yards after contact per attempt. So one of the rare guys that really fits in well as a goal line runner so I think he's a very safe option, but you're right that they're, the Browns aren't really full of, of great fantasy options the way that some teams with more pass attempts are. So two years ago, Nick Chubb almost won the rushing title when, they, when he carried the ball almost as much as Derrick Henry carried mm-hmm. the ball that year. And then last year, a lot of it, you know, honestly, you look at Nick Chubb's raw numbers and he missed four games. So that's a big chunk of that. But, I, but the Kareem Hunt lurking, like in real life, Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt makes Nick Chubb better. Nick Chubb makes Kareem Hunt better. They combine, make the Browns better. Yes. But when you have a good second back, you know, when you're thinking about Nick Chubb in comparison, I mean, Derrick Henry is probably not a comparison. Derrick Henry just mm. gets the ball 50 times a game. That's an exaggeration. But if you're thinking about him in comparison to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley and other guys from a fantasy's perspective, I think there's a receiving component that you mentioned that's part of it, but how should you factor in Kareem Hunt? Should you just forget it and just think, you know what? Nick Chubb's still going to get the ball enough. Look yeah. at his carries and don't let Kareem Hunt's presence scare you away from Nick Chubb as a first round pick. I mean, I think that's generally what you want to do, especially in the shallower formats, the 10 or 12 team leagues. I would just draft Nick Chubb and be happy that you have him. He may not be the number one or two fantasy scorer, but he's almost certainly going to be a top 10 fantasy running back, a pick that you don't want to screw up in the first or second rounds of your fantasy draft. But if you're getting a little bit deeper where you're maybe talking about 14 or 16 teams in your league, that's when it gets a little bit trickier because when you're that deep, there are not enough good running backs to go around and you might want to handcuff your run, your running back with this backup. If the backup is going to come in and fill in. So like you draft Alvin cook, that means you want to get Alexander Madison and you can probably get somebody like Madison pretty late and protect yourself that way. It's much harder to do with the Browns because Kareem Hunt is kind of an effective player in his own right, even when Chubb is playing and healthy, in particular in a PPR format where you're getting points for the catches that he's getting. So, you know, if you want to protect yourself and draft a backup in case Chubb gets hurt, it's going to be tough to do because you're going to have to spend, you know, a sixth or seventh round pick on Hunt. And that's where it gets a little bit trickier in those deeper formats. That's a really good point. It's like you'd love to have Kareem Hunt, but you're basically drafting a backup at a time when everybody else is still taking starters, yeah, I mean, and that can Hunt, be rough. In, a, in, a, in essence, Hunt is the best backup running back in football, but you have to pay for that in fantasy, and that may not be a winning strategy because you're not going to be able to use both players at the same time. It's just it's not going to work out that way for you. Okay. How much – and I guess it depends on your format. You know, Are you getting a point per reception? And that certainly affects how you uh, – think about running backs as pass catchers, right, in yes. their value. But mm-hmm. when you do think about that, isn't uh, Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and maybe Saquon Barkley just go to a different level when compared to a guy like Nick Chubb when you're talking about PPR leagues? I think they do. Being able to catch a lot of passes really sort of protects you from matchups. And, I mean, with somebody like Nick Chubb, he's so effective that it's probably not going to make too much of a case either way. But 
with more of your run of, run of the mill, non-pass catching running back, if you run into like a really strong Steelers defense, for instance, that's really strong against the run, that's when you run into the, you know, 12 carries for 35 yards. And that's like a disastrous fantasy day. If you're talking about a fantasy playoff matchup that can knock you out of the fantasy playoffs, whereas somebody like an Alvin Kamara is probably going to catch enough passes that insulates him from that sort of exposure. So that's why I think a lot of people like that, even in non PPR leagues, just having the not being so susceptible to the, the defensive opponent that you're facing. Okay. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield. I, you can't start Baker Mayfield as one of your in a, in a 12 or 14 team league, right? Like he's not a starting fantasy quarterback. And again, all off season, I feel like all <laughs> we've talked about on the orange and Brown talk podcast is, is Baker Mayfield, a top 10 quarterback was yeah. like, I think we've established on our podcast. He's right in the mix as a top 10 quarterback. He's probably going into this season somewhere between the ninth and 12th best actual football mm. quarterback in the league, but he's not, he doesn't run compared yes. to other guys and the, the style of offense they're going to play. I think, I don't know how, how big of a Browns fan you would have to be to say my starting fantasy quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Cause I don't think you're going to win. Right. I mean, I, I think it's pretty unlikely that he could be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I mean, you're right. The rushing is so key in typical fantasy scoring. You get two and a half times more points for a rushing yard than you do for a passing yard. It's just a total game changer. And more and more, the quarterbacks coming into the league are running. Even guys like Joe Burrow, who you don't think of as, as being running quarterbacks, are running for 400 yards and running in some touchdowns. So it, it just makes this huge difference. And he's not really bringing that to the table. Now, my one piece of hesitation here is we've sort of seen a play-action heavy offense in Tennessee turn Ryan Tannehill into a very effective fantasy quarterback in recent seasons. And he's just kind of had outlier efficiency in terms of his touchdowns. So could Baker maybe throw the ball a lower amount 500 times, maybe not run very much compared to other teams, but suddenly throw for 35 touchdowns. Like I, I could see that happening, but I think you're waiting kind of into the, the teens or maybe even your early twenties and quarterbacks before you would want to take him because that's kind of an unlikely scenario. Again, the Browns much better offensively in real life than they are in fantasy. Yeah, I would advise everybody. Baker is a great backup quarterback. You can play him in your bye week. And if your top guy gets hurt, then you have a bet. You have a guy that you can play and believe in, but just don't let yeah. your fandom get, get ahead of you on, on drafting him. Or you may be able to play matchups. I think this is something that a lot of players of fantasy don't take advantage of, but you, you can really do well with quarterbacks in particular with the added depth of the position of playing against the easier opponents. So, you know, when you're, when the Browns are facing the Steelers and Ravens, maybe you leave them on your bench. But when you're facing teams that are a little bit less of quality pass defenses, then I think that may be an opportunity where you can get him in a top 15 type of spot. Let's talk a tiny bit of quarterback draft strategy in general then, based, mm -hmm. Scott, on what you just said. Yes. Are you a believer in the – because, listen, if you take a quarterback, if you take one of the five or seven best quarterbacks in the league, like you're just playing him. You're just playing yeah, Josh absolutely. Allen every week. You're just playing Patrick Mahomes every week. The, the idea of, all right, I'm, I'm going to take in a 12-team league, I'm going to take the 11th quarterback and the 15th quarterback, and I'm yes. going to play matchups all year. How much do you like a strategy like that? So, I mean, that's the way that I tend to play. Um, I usually wait till toward the end of my drafts to draft a quarterback because I think I can sort of eke out top eight type of production at the position playing that way and then you know paying a little bit more attention to grabbing running backs and other positions where there's more shortage of those kind of quality options for you. Uh, but I mean, it's a personal playing style thing. Like honestly, for people that are a little bit more casual 
for fantasy football players. Maybe they're in their office league or whatever, but they're not reading football outsiders every, every day or whatever. And that's a totally fine way to play for those players. I think drafting a quarterback early makes a lot of sense because a player like Mahomes, a player like Dak Prescott even is probably going to be very consistently productive every week. And it's going to make it a little bit easier for you to remain competitive. I think, you know, waiting on the quarterback is a little bit more of a, a diehard type of fantasy players way to play. Let me ask you another question about something that you consider. So you consider matchups is important. Mm -hmm. I think week to week, how much do you think about the strength of an offensive player, his own team's defense when you draft? And my question is this, the Browns defense added eight or nine new starters. Their defense should be better than a year ago. But I think it's possible that that decreases the fantasy yes. value because now you're probably not going to get in a game with the Ravens like on Monday night where you're in a 45-42 game. Or you're not going to be in a game where your defense gives up 21 points in the first quarter and you're playing catch-up. And sometimes we know. I mean, like you could be at a lousy team and have a garbage-time quarterback who's throwing for 400 yards mm-hmm. every week because they're losing by two scores. Is it possible that the improved Browns defense, again, flattens their offensive fantasy production because they won't be giving up as many points? Now, maybe it helps, Chubb, but I just think there's going to be situations where second half of the third quarter, fourth quarter, they might be grinding out wins and not being worried about Baker throwing the ball downfield. How much should you think about your own team's defense when drafting a player? I think you do need to think about it. You know, I, I always talk about, you know, how, how good the opponent is that you're facing. But the really important way to think about this is sort of the relative quality of the two teams. Because the better your offensive player's team is relative to the team he's playing, the more likely they're going to run the ball more and pass the ball less. Like you said, if you're playing a weaker opponent this year, Nick Chubb is going to probably be better in those matchups because he's going to get third and fourth quarter touches, probably leading to touchdowns that extra work that really matters a lot, but those are the matchups that you're not going to want to play Baker Mayfield and maybe not even want to play a Jarvis Landry type who would get a lot more work if the Browns were trailing later in games. Now, you know, it's not always totally safe to predict how that's going to play out, but it can make one or two fantasy points of projected difference. So I would really definitely pay attention to the relative quality of the teams involved, looking at it both offensively and defensively and not just focusing on, how good is my the, the other team's defensive, you know, against the pass or whatever. All right, let's talk OBJ. Yes. He feels like he could be like a make or break guy yeah. for a fantasy team. But part of the question, Scott, is, and we've talked to this about this a lot, like with Mira K. Cabot, of the idea of I think it's possible that Odell has his best season in five years. But in this offense with all the players they have, I think it's possible like a great season for Odell is like 1,100 yards. I don't know that he would even get – I don't know how he would get to 1,400 yards, Mm. even if he's awesome. His talent is awesome just based on how they're going to distribute the ball and the kind of offense they're going to play. Where – say you're in a 12- or 14-team league. Like what is the right round to roll the dice on Odell Beckham? Yeah, I've actually drafted Beckham in a couple of leagues already so far this year. And what I think I'm liking a lot better about him now than in previous years is just the expectations have come down a lot. Um, I mean, obviously injuries have played a major role in him falling off, but like assuming that he's coming back and healthy and, you know, you, you or Mary Kay could probably provide more uh, some, some advice along those fronts. But I think that he's kind of coming off at a good value now because I'm a little bit less worried about the difference between say 1100 yards and 1400 yards than how many touchdowns he's going to score. And he's 
like compared to his Giants days, he's just scored a lot less often so far in his Cleveland career on a per target basis. But I don't think that's really any reflection upon his skills. I still think he has the ability to put up and maybe chase you to 10 touchdowns in a really good season. So that's why I think you're actually kind of capturing that upside chance with a pick maybe in the 25 to 30 range among wide receivers. Whereas if you were picking him 15th like you were the last couple of years, you're kind of paying for the upside and you don't really have a chance to to exceed your draft value there. So you're talking about overall the 25th or 30th receiver off the board. That's where he's being drafted kind of commonly. That I think that he's, he's definitely that good, that valuable. Because that's like, you know, right, in a 32-team league, that's, like, that's a number one receiver. Clearly, there's going to be some teams that will have two receivers drafted. Yes. But, but that makes sense. That feels like – and again, like if you're a Browns fan, you want to do it, and you want to take him as the 22nd receiver and make sure you get him, go ahead and do that. But there was a time – I mean, I'm, Scott, I'm sure the last couple of years – he was still being drafted as a top 10 or top 12 receiver, mm-hmm. even as his production declined. Yeah, I think the first year that he came over to Cleveland, I think people thought that really might unlock sort of a number one receiver type of you know performance in fantasy. And it just hasn't happened so far. And I mean, honestly, I think a lot of that is really more scheme driven than it is talent driven, where, again, the Browns are such a, an effective rushing team that they're, they're not going to need to sling the ball downfield to Beckham all the time. But He's such a talented player that I think the top 10 wide receiver upside is there. And now that you have a chance to really capture that value over where he's going in drafts, I think he's kind of a no brainer where at that point in the draft, you're often drafting players with, with much lower ceilings. And I'd rather have the guy that gives me a chance of being a top 10 wide receiver. I feel like we're going to have to do that with our Browns insiders who are on our tech subscription or something. Have everybody who's Mm -hmm. in a fantasy football draft say what number receiver was Beckham in your draft? Yeah. Where did he go? And I'll be very curious to hear because I, you know, there's still going to be somebody who's like, oh, he was the 11th receiver in my draft. It's like, okay, well, that's just, that just is a draft that happened in Cleveland. If your fantasy draft is in Cleveland, literally, then yeah, maybe he'll go a little bit higher. But you know, if you're, if you're elsewhere in the country, maybe you'll have a little bit more success waiting. Yeah. Because if you're elsewhere, it is one of those things. If you're elsewhere, maybe let your, if you live in Cleveland, just like go get in a fantasy league in like <laughs> Albuquerque and just try to be like, oh, well, you know, Odell, I guess I'll take him in the seventh round. I don't <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly. Like, yeah. Try to capitalize. I am anticipating that when we really start seeing everybody's fantasy, um, you know, uh, advice and mm-hmm. people are saying like sleepers and breakout candidates, whatever, I'm imagining that. David Njoku is going to be a guy that like when you're saying tight ends, and I'm just waiting for to see him on like the breakout list, the sleeper list. How do you try to dissect like Austin Hooper versus David Njoku and how either of them, and if you, I don't know, if you're thinking Harrison Bryant late in the draft, whatever, how do yeah. you try to dissect? All right, it seems like Stefanski likes tight ends. It seems like Baker likes tight ends, but they have three of them. Hooper wasn't particularly productive last year. Is this in Joku's year? How are you leaning when it comes yeah. to the Browns tight ends? Honestly, this is what you were talking about earlier with the running backs for the team is kind of how I feel about the tight ends, where the Browns have too many good tight ends in real life for any of them to have success in fantasy to the extent that you would hope. And honestly, I kind of feel this way about the Patriots too. I know they made a lot of headlines by uh, bringing in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry at the same time, but that kind of makes it hard for either one of them to be a really elite tight end in fantasy. Those guys tend to be you know, a top two or three tight end, like top three, two or three target option on their team overall and not competing with other guys at their position to get those touches. So like for me, I don't think I would really target any of the Browns tight ends as a sleeper in fantasy, the way that I might even target a Donovan Peoples-Jones type. 
which again, competing with a lot of, of targets there, but you just, it, it seems a lot more likely that there would be room to break out from a wide receiver perspective, barring an injury, of course. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll take a quick break with Scott Spratt and then come back and do a couple of national things I want to talk about, especially rookie quarterbacks. We'll do that mm-hmm. next on the orange and Brown talk podcast. Back with Scott Spratt. Scott, where can the people follow you or make sure they get your work individually during the course of this season? You got a Twitter or what's the best way for them to read your stuff? Yeah, I definitely tweet out everything that I work on at Scott underscore Spratt, um, but then also footballoutsiders.com. It's all going to be up there one way or another. Okay, so make sure you guys, uh, sure you guys are doing that. This is like, this is like smart guy fantasy. Like, this is what you guys should be following to win your league. Try. As opposed to dumb guy fantasy, which is when I talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Is how are you breaking down again? This is probably all like second quarterback flyers, I would imagine, like take an upside guy. When you think about Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. Justin Fields in Chicago, Mac Jones in New England, and I don't actually don't is I don't is Trey Lance. Do people think Trey Lance is gonna play? I don't know how you fit that in with Jimmy Garoppolo. Are there any rookie quarterbacks that you are interested in from a fantasy perspective this season? Or is it all kind of like, all right, if he's, you know, you're drafting guys like that to be your backup to Russell Wilson? I'm honestly more interested in the class this year than I've ever been from a fantasy perspective. And for me, the key is so many of them are effective rushers. And it's, it's not just Trey Lance and Justin Fields either. Uh, even Zach Wilson ran for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence did quite a bit in college. And to me, that's so important for two reasons. The obvious one being that, you know, again, rushing production is more important for fantasy scoring than passing production is. But two, from a real life perspective, I think it's a really great way for rookie quarterbacks to sort of, you know, hit the ground running, have a little bit less steep of a learning curve in the NFL where, you know, if they're trying to go through progressions, but they don't know what they're seeing out there, their first guy isn't open, they can take off and run. And I think a lot of these guys can do that. So I think all of them are valuable in fantasy. Now, in terms of the guys that I'm specifically targeting, I actually think the right way to play this is to even wait. You may not even need to draft these guys. Players like Fields that, that may not come in until you know October or November, you can probably pick them off the waiver wire. So it may make more sense to draft a quarterback with upside that we think is going to start week one and then adjust in season, kind of like Justin Herbert last year became a really hot fantasy pickup in week three or four. And I think you can maybe get that sort of thing happening this year with a, you know, a Lance or a Fields. I've seen, I forgot Zach Wilson existed, the number two pick. In the draft. I, for, I forgot <laughs> People to are not excited him. for him as a rookie for the Jets, but he does run a little bit. So, I mean, yeah. it, it wouldn't shock me. Trevor Lawrence, I've seen Trevor Lawrence as a runner, what he can do to people. And we know that Urban Meyer's history, and he's evolving, but Urban mm-hmm. Meyer likes to run the quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence is an athletic guy. I'm very curious how that might work itself out because I could definitely see them working in a couple called runs for him on some QB draws, a couple zone reads here and there. Cause I think defense is like maybe mm-hmm. won't be ready for it. And that guy will hit a hole and run 30 yards on you. And so I True. do think Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's clearly the guy they've added some talent in Jacksonville. You know, uh, it, it's hard with rookie quarterbacks. I don't, again, I, I don't think anyone's drafting Trevor Lawrence to be like your starting quarterback, but there's, and they might be a team again. Like, I don't know if they're down and he's like chucking it around, trying to figure some stuff out, some stuff out. I could see how Trevor Lawrence could maybe help you in fantasy this year. Yeah, I think he, and I mean, I think he especially, but Trey Lance a little bit too, depending on when he gets in, if it happens this year. They're both set up to succeed too, because they have a lot of players that can really produce after the catch for them. 
So Jacksonville brings in Travis Etienne, the talented home run hitting running back, also from Clemson. They've got, you know, some, some guys with athleticism, LaVisca Chenault, this kind of like half a running back at a wide receiver. They can dump it off to those guys and those guys can kind of work it for them. So they don't have to do as much work down the field, maybe make it a little bit easier to, to produce the, the, and then probably avoid turnovers. I think that could be really helpful for their adjustment to the NFL game. All right. We talked about this a little bit with Aaron Schatz, and I'm curious to get your, your take on this. The, the second-year quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, Tuatonga Vailoa, Justin yep. Herbert. I would imagine that Justin Herbert may wind up being overdrafted yep. because I think people are jacked for what Justin <laughs> Herbert's going to do next. Yes. And Aaron was saying, like, when a rookie quarterback is that good, sometimes there isn't a huge second-year leap, as opposed to someone like Joe Burrow, who only got in half a year and maybe has more room for a leap. How should people be – and then, again – I think a lot of people were down on Tua, but I've definitely read some stuff that people think he throws the ball down the field pretty well. There might be a lot of room for a big leap there in Miami. How should people be evaluating these second-year quarterbacks? And is there a any warning light on Justin Herbert? Because I think there might be some people who are going to take Justin Herbert as like the fifth quarterback off the board. Yeah. And maybe that's too high. See, I think the trick is everybody's right about the order. If you were just telling me which ones are going to be the best, I think Herbert is pr- pretty clearly the one you want first, then Burrow, then Tua. I think that's pretty clear. But in terms of value relative to where they're going in drafts, I think it may honestly be the opposite. Herbert, like you said, is going off as a top 10 quarterback. We're projecting him really highly as, as like a top five or six quarterback. But again, that's a situation where you're not really building in any chance to, to get more than you're drafting for there. It's a little bit of a risk. I'm nervous because he's losing his offensive play caller and Anthony Lynn. So, you know, if maybe you have a guy that has a little bit worse vertical concepts in his offense, that could be an issue. I mean, I, I think the downside isn't too, too severe, but with that type of early pick, it's, it makes me nervous. I think honestly too, is the guy that I think the value is incredible in fantasy right now. And uh, this is maybe another one where you need to be a little bit deeper. Cause I don't think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback by any means, but They really improved their offensive line and skill talent, bringing in Jalen Waddell, bringing in Will Fuller. Last season, the number one criticism of Tua was that he couldn't force the ball down the field. But now you've got two of the best deep receivers maybe in the NFL coming in. I think it could be really transformative in a real situation where even if Tua is just sort of an average effective passer, I think it may prop him up from a fantasy perspective where he could be really valuable. I'm thinking about a Florida combo now on your strategy of weight on quarterbacks. I'm mm-hmm. thinking what I'm thinking what if you lean in on Tua and Trevor and just yeah. play the matchup game with those two guys and figure you get a little running here and there, a little big play capability. They're not going to be consistent week to week, but if you play the matchup game okay, that may work. Yeah. It's also a situation where even if you don't hit exactly who you get need on on draft day, I think there are going to be guys like Tua that are going to be available on the wire. So your ceiling, your floor is going to be really high because you're going to be able to pick guys up in season that can help you, including some of those rookies. Again, he'll probably take over in October and November. Let me ask a quick question about the style of league. I know there are some people who play a two quarterback league, right? Where you start two quarterbacks in your lineup. I've never done that. I've always been intrigued by that because it adds such importance to who you get with that second quarterback. And it sort of Mm -hmm. adds an extra layer of strategy in the draft. Are you in any two quarterback leagues? And if, if somebody who's listening right now is just sort of in like a friends league, like a, you know, not super serious, but you play for some money, you're there to have a good time. Would you recommend going to two playing two quarterbacks every week? Or is that, is that not really the way to go? 
I mean, I think it's absolutely a fun way to play. I'm in several two quarterback leagues. A lot of mine are like you have a flex where you can flex in a quarterback, which effectively becomes a two quarterback league because quarterbacks score more fantasy points. The thing that I like about it is it kind of better aligns the better fantasy players with the better real life players in fantasy because the old system still leans so heavily on running backs, which aren't as important in the modern NFL. You know, the top 30 of the top 40 picks, maybe running backs in your league. And, you know, those guys just aren't as important from a real life perspective. But, you know, if you're playing with your buddies and maybe not everybody is, is super glued into football all the time, they're all going to know who the, the important quarterbacks are. So that's a good way to sort of align your rooting interest from your fantasy team with what you may be paying attention to from a real life perspective. It's a really fun way to play. I'm going to see if I get my friend league to go to a two quarterback league this year. I just think it'd be interesting. I agree with it's everything fun. you said. All right. A couple more questions. How high should Jamar Chase go? This is a guy, again, and, and uh, is viewing rookie receivers, is it the same as viewing rookie quarterbacks, or should you let it fly with rookie receivers more, more easily? So, I mean, I'm a little bit nervous letting it fly with rookie receivers, but last year, really the last few years, have been some of the best we've ever seen in terms of immediate production. I mean, Justin Jefferson was like immediately one of the 10 best real-life wide receivers in the NFL. So I can definitely get the, the sort of sense that a player may have that they want to draft these guys early. I think that may get you into a little bit of trouble. Um, it's not always the first guy drafted that's clearly going to be the most productive. That being said, Chase is the one that we have as our number one projected rookie wide receiver. If I were going to draft any, I would draft either he or Devontae Smith, who I think more clearly step into the top wide receiver role in their offense immediately. Kind of what I, I was talking about earlier with the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle may have been a really high pick, but he's got some overlapping skills already in veterans on his roster. I would look really a little, little bit more at situations than I would at sort of draft position when I'm deciding which of those guys that I want to target later in drafts. All right. Two more quickies in the Browns division. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know if you know this, he has a robot arm. It was transplanted. <laughs> yes. Um, is he like what? Like in the 20s? when you're drafting quarterbacks now, but this is guy who still would like rip off some 400 yard games every now and then. Right. How do you view Ben Roethlisberger? Well, I mean, this has been a really hot button of contention so far this off season with me and some other fantasy people. And I think a lot of people saw what happened to the Steelers from the first half to the second half of the season and in the playoffs. And I think they think that Roethlisberger is basically entering his Eli Manning retirement season kind of thing, like could get benched during the season or it's just not going to be very effective for you. I actually don't think that's the case. And to me, it's not as much about the surgery and the second year of recovery as it is about Roethlisberger really shifting his game last year to being a very low average depth of target quarterback. He's got so much talent around him, both at running back and wide receiver, that he can just dump the ball off to. He doesn't have to force the ball down the field. And I think that's going to really raise his floor. It may not make him a really appealing fantasy option himself, because again, he doesn't run, which is such a huge part of fantasy production for quarterbacks these days. But I think if you're interested in Deontay Johnson or, or any of his wide receivers, really, I think that he'll be plenty good for them to be effective. And keep in mind that that really bad stretch the Steelers faced last year, they were facing some of the best pass defenses in football during a really tough part of the schedule. So it'll probably be a little bit better next year with a little bit more balance to things. You don't want to know how high I took Juju Smith-Schuster in my draft <laughs> last year. That guy absolutely torpedoed my entire season. Well, at least way. he had nine touchdowns, right? I mean, it could have been worse. Yeah. All right. Last one on Lamar Jackson. Where, right? Like is, uh, is, is, is Mahomes number one is like, where's Lamar in that uh, fantasy mm -hmm. quarterback situation and 
you know, Aaron, we talked with Aaron about sort of Lamar as a real player. Mm-hmm. And there, there's that kind of maybe question in his game. Yes. But from a fantasy perspective, does he have any questions or do you know you're going to get 80 rushing yards and pretty decent passing performance and this guy's a top five quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a top five quarterback from a draft perspective. I think that's that's clear. Whether you should draft him ahead of Patrick Mahomes, I don't know. That's a little bit of personal preference because we project them for fairly similar in-season fantasy numbers. Uh, Lamar's coming a lot more from rushing, obviously. Mahomes a lot more from passing. But I think you could talk me into we may be under-projecting how likely it is Lamar is going to get hurt relative to some of the other quarterbacks. Uh, this is really a problem for a lot of the running guys where you're worried that, you know, this – could be a Joe Burrow situation if they're running into a lot more hits. But at least in my perspective, Lamar has done a very good job of avoiding hits so far in his career, getting out of bounds on some of his design runs and scrambles or, or getting down or just frankly kind of making defenders look silly so they don't really get take good angles at him. So I feel a little bit better about his ability to stay up upright over the next few years. So I think you can confidently draft him as a top five quarterback. And I wouldn't have any problem with somebody taking him number one overall, but I think he's kind of in that mix with the, the Mahomeses of the world. All right, I lied. One more question. Sure. Okay. You're Absolutely. You're not mad. Okay. No. From a, for, this is for anybody who's listening to this, and there certainly are people who are Ohio State fans. I think mm. there are two former Ohio State guys who I'm particularly interested in what they might do this year, and if either of them take potentially big leaps from a fantasy perspective. Okay. One is J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, if he's yeah. kind of the guy in that backfield, and the other is Terry McLaurin as a receiver in Washington if they get a greater level of competent quarterback okay. play, which yeah. it feels like Fitzpatrick will do that. Where are we thinking is, is JK Dobbins in the mix as a top 10 running back and is Terry McLaurin in the mix as a top 10 receiver? So the answer is definitely yes. In both cases, I actually think I like Dobbins a little bit more from an upside perspective. I think it's pretty clear that he's going to take over as the number one back for the team. And that's been a team that's like routinely generated a lot of rushing opportunities for touchdowns. So I think Dobbins could be somebody that leaps up to like a 15 touchdown season, not projecting that per se, but giving you that top five type of overall fantasy production upside for Washington. It's a little bit uh, for McLaurin. It's a little bit of a trickier situation because I do think that he's going to get an upgrade at quarterback, probably pretty significant. Uh, Haskins uh, and Alex Smith were our two lowest rated quarterbacks by DVOA last season among regular starters. So can't do much worse than last. Um, But Washington has also made some really big upgrades um, at the skill positions, in particular bringing in Curtis Samuel from the Panthers. So it may be a situation where McLaurin is more effective on a per target basis, but doesn't get any kind of increase in targets like you see with some like year three type wide receivers. McLaurin, I think, is extremely safe, but I would probably treat him as a wide receiver two in fantasy, maybe not your top five upside type of guy. All right. And then Curtis Samuel's an Ohio State guy, too. I've been dabbling in Curtis Samuel fantasy stuff for mm-hmm. a while, and it felt like the Panthers never used him in a way to make him as effective as he could be. Should people be more enthused about Curtis Samuel from a fantasy perspective in Washington now, or is he still a little caught in between? Well, the irony of this is that Samuel had if you'll give him credit for it, his breakout is closest to a breakout season last year, which was the first year that Ron Rivera wasn't his coach on the team. So now he joins back up with Rivera in Washington. So you're like, uh, are we kind of going back to his old usage where it wasn't really working? I think those guys are probably going to be smart enough. Uh, Scott Turner, the OC is going to be able to like take some of what 
offensive coordinator for the Panthers, Joe Brady, did for him that kind of got him a little bit more work, a little bit more involved and, and adopt those things in Washington, too. So I think it's pretty likely that he'll have a similarly effective season as he had last year. He's actually more important to the Washington team than he was to the Panthers, given the team's relative other depth at the position. So I think he could have a really nice year. Yeah, it was like they drafted McCaffrey and Samuel the same year. And I was kind of like, oh, well, I actually <laughs> thought like in this draft that Curtis Samuel was kind of like Christian McCaffrey light. And then yeah. they just took them both. And it was like, wow, I don't know if that's going to work for Curtis Samuel. And I feel like it kind of never did until McCaffrey got hurt last year. Yeah. OK, Scott Spratt, I'm doing I'm doing your quarterback thing. I'll keep you updated because I know there's Please nothing do. there's nothing more that fantasy writers like than random people being like, Hey, here's my draft. What do you think? <laughs> you only get that 4,000 times a day. So I'd say that that might not play at parties, but fantasy, fantasy people, we do this job for a reason. Like I could talk about fantasy players all day. So hit me up whenever. Okay. I'll, I'll give you the results of who I wind up with a quarterback. Uh, again, anybody listening, make sure you follow Scott, make sure you check out football outsiders for your fantasy information. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thank you, Doug. Absolutely. 